0: growing the game with ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan Each week Michael Ball will talk with rider guests but he'll also highlight amateur athletes coaches and builders in his province growing the game we love now here's Ballsey and I am your host Ballsey thanks for checking us out. All our guests come to you via the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. Go check out Aubrey Steadman and his great gang there at 1440 Broadway Avenue. All our guests come to you via the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. Kevin Welsh and the gang in Saskatoon, your Certainty Roofers five-star. Certainty Roofers, give them a call at 262Roof. Proud supporters of amateur football and the Rough Riders. That guy's a big-time supporter for sure. Also want to point out, this fine sponsor, Face First Medical Aesthetics in downtown Regina above Gabbles on Dudney Avenue. If you want to turn back father time, do so in a naturally looking way. No pressure, but excellent work from Chrisinda. check her out on facebook face first medical aesthetics anywhere on social media you'll find her and mark greshner photography check out his fine work i use some of his pictures on my podcast but you can check him out at markgreshner.com. he does awesome work trust him with the big moments in your life to capture them in the best way possible and i can speak from experience the guy does great work Time now to talk to our Athlete of the Week. It's Carter Shuchuk, quarterback of the Regina Thunder. It's for Paul Waldo at Royal LePage and Regina getting the real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champ. Give him a call, 306-502-5355. This podcast, of course, coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio, and all our guests come to you via the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. Shuey, thanks for joining me. Your first year as the starting guy with the Regina Thunder. How does that feel?
1: Honestly, it feels surreal. I've been working so hard for so long just for this moment. So, yeah, I don't, I can't really put it into words. It feels unbelievable.
0: So you were a hockey guy before you were a football guy. What made you choose football over hockey in the end?
1: Well, at the end of the day, I just felt like, uh, you know, growing up, I had great great hockey friends and and everything. And then when high school came, that's kind of when I went through that tough decision. Do I continue on after my draft year or not, right? So I did my grade 9 year playing hockey didn't get drafted unfortunately
0: <laughs> yep. um
1: but uh you know luther kind of you know i went to luther college high school here in Regina, and um you know i back when i was in grade 10 they won the uh they won the city championship the uh, 3a and then uh they went to the provincial final against sawyer bidner in the mooshaw or in peacock mm-hmm. um fortunately weren't very successful in that case and then our starting quarterback left and ne- they needed a guy to they need an athlete to go in there, so I said I'd be be—I'd be that guy.
0: Carter, how do you deal with stress and nerves? Because I would imagine you're a little nervous going into your first start coming up here in, in about a week in Winnipeg against the Rifles. Uh, how do you deal with stress and nerves as a young dude?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, obviously there are nerves and everything, but at the end of the day, you just I'm just grateful that I do have those stress and those nerves, right? Uh, being in the position that I'm in, not a lot of You know, there's not a lot of people who can feel the same stress that I feel. And, uh, you know, I I just try to, you know, lock in as best as I can. Honestly, when you get out on the field and you get that first snap and that first completion in you, um, you know, all the nerves seem to go away and you just kind of settle in there. So, you know, before the game, I try to just, you know, get in my zone and, and don't think too much. But, you know.
0: How do you get in the zone? What kind of music do you listen to? Do you sit by yourself? Do you sit by a certain guy? Do you have a routine?
1: No, I, uh, you know, pregame, I kind of stick to myself. But then, you know, right before the boys are kind of getting out there, I like to take my mind off the game itself and, you know, just feel relaxed. And, you know, that's just just talking to the boys. And, you know, whether that's about the game or, you know, about anything else, really. Um, The music that I listen to, Get Me Fired Up, every single time. Sawyer Bittner taught me this one. It's uh, Nickelback. Burn it to the ground, or Nickelback uh, animals by Nickelback. So I'm a big Nickelback guy.
0: You know what? I am too, and we're in the minority because when you mention Nickelback, everybody's like, "Ah, get back your man card." My son's a Nickelback guy too.
1: Oh yeah, you can't, you can't, you can never go wrong with Nickelback. All the people that say they hate Nickelback are liars. Yeah, they and- just. It's- too good
0: yeah you're right and the thing is the thing with Nickelback too is there it's simple music it's country music with rock guitars like the the lyrics aren't you don't have to analyze the lyrics and you don't want to be analyzing more than you have to on game day
1: 100 percent. yeah you just get you just uh you know let the music go through your head and don't think about anything too much so
0: who taught you your love for Nickelback your mom or your dad
1: uh I think my mom if anything my mom was a big Bon Jovi person and that was my first concert so Just like that kind of music.
0: Oh, you went, did you go to the one at Taylor Field with uh, Kid Rock?
1: Oh, yeah. Kid Rock. Well, I was a little kid at that point. I forget how old I was. Probably 10 or something around there. And I thought Kid Rock was just the raunchiest dude.
0: Wasn't he good, though?
1: (laughs) He was good. Oh, yeah. He was great. He was great. Yeah. but That was my first concert, but you know. I thought he kicked Growing up in a Christian
0: battle, I, Yeah, yeah, I know. Me too. I thought he kicked uh, Bon Jovi's ass, though. Like I thought, you want to have a crappy band to start, not some guy that can come up and play all the instruments. I thought he was great. He looked like he rolled out of a camper at Craven, but dude was—he—he uh, he lit it up. I loved it, and I love watching Bon jo- uh, John Bon Jovi and his thirty thousand dollar veneer teeth too. I was happy to to know that I paid to help pay for his teeth with his million uh, dollar smile. There. Okay, back to you, man. What's what number do you wear in the field? for the fans
1: I, I wear number 7 this year I, I was previously 10 but uh, you know we had a 5th year guy step mm-hmm. out and I, I was able to take over to 7 which is
0: my high school number okay is that number special for a reason like did you always like that number or just because it was your high school number
1: uh, it's just my high school number I like the s- single digit look so
0: yeah, yeah absolutely okay so uh, what kind of quarterback are you what kind of quarterback can uh, anybody showing up at Mosaic Stadium when they get a chance or on the road w- what are they going to get from Carter Shuchuk
1: you know, previously, I've been labeled as more of a as a scrambler, scrambler quarterback type, uh, you know, who can use his legs and stuff. But honestly, for the past two years and, and something that I've been trying to tell my coaches is that, you know, I want to throw a ball. I'm a quarterback for a reason. I'm not a running back. I'm not a receiver. Um, you know, I want to throw the ball. So when I can use my legs, I will. Uh, when I want to throw the ball, I will throw the ball. So I don't know. I, I like to think I'm kind of like a hybrid in between those, but definitely prefer to throw the ball
0: have you ever played uh, receiver did you start that way in high school or with uh or with um uh, the thunder because the rams used to do that they used to run claremont and and some of these other guys chad eman as slot backs first so they could get uh, the offense down through a receiver's eye so when they went to a quarterback position they knew exactly what was going through the receiver's mind
1: yeah for sure i actually started playing receiver back in rmf uh that was my first position and i was very fortunate Cause uh, my quarterback was Josh Donnelly back out oh, here in yeah. the East, growing up. So, you know, I, I kind of got, I kind of tore it up. And one of my coaches who played, who's one of my coaches on the Thunder now, uh, Rumpel, Matt Rumpel, he, uh, he was my coach that year too. So when I first came and the Thunder were recruiting me as a quarterback, he was like, what the hell? This guy's not a quarterback. He's a receiver. So it kind of just worked out, you know, in high school where they needed a quarterback and I was just athletic enough to play that position. Um, And then, you know, I I did ask to play receiver uh, for the Thunder, but obviously, again, they they wanted me as a quarterback. So whenever they need guys, whether that's in the summer and stuff, you know, I'm always available and I'm running routes Mm -hmm. uh, because I I know everything, right? Like as a quarterback, you know, every every receiver position, what they're running, how deep they're running, what cuts they're making and stuff. So, uh, you know, I run out there for fun in the summer uh, during our Thursday throwings and whatnot, but. You know, when it's season time, it's pretty much locked in.
0: So uh, what pass do you want to throw first against Winnipeg to get you into it? You, you, you want to get comfortable. You, you, you talked about getting that first hit, that first throw. What's the first pass you want to throw?
1: Uh, you know what? Just a nice little hook. Nice little seven-yard hook. Uh, you know, and like every every play, every, every team has a play in the playbook where everybody runs hooks. Uh, for us, that's Henry. And, you know, whether that's that play or a different play, like I can't give out too much information. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely just a nice little hook get me get me into the game.
0: Okay, so what's your favorite ball to throw though? That's the one to start the game. But what's your go-to ball? You think
1: my go-to ball? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I like those. I like intermediate uh, type throws. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously I'll throw a deep one when you need me to. I'll throw short ones when you need me to check down. But my favorite is a, is either a dig intermediate or like a nice little settle hook in the zone. Those are the nicest student, in my opinion. They're the nicest throws you can make. So,
0: are you a student of the game? I guess you have to be to be a quarterback. Have you always been a student of the game? Maybe is a better way to put it, or have you grown into being a student of the game?
1: No, for sure. Yeah, I've always been. I, I've always considered myself as a student of the game. You know, growing up, uh, a Rider fan, obviously living in Saskatchewan, you know, I would go to every single Rider home game, right with my parents, We had season tickets out at Taylor Field. So, you know, growing up watching guys like Kerry Joseph, Darian Durant. And whatnot and like obviously kevin glenn and stuff and those guys were pretty 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 good there um Mm -hmm. and like back in the day my mom used to clean henry burris's teeth when he was on the riders for a bit there so you know i i baby pictures with henry holding me and and stuff like that so you know it it was kind of just destined to be that i was the quarterback obviously in my first couple years playing from the jump from high school to, to junior is a pretty big deal right so um obviously i had sawyer bittner as a starting quarterback in my rookie year and and that guy just had every single like he had he just had an answer for every single question that I had for him. So I was very fortunate in that sense to learn from him. And obviously, Stefan and uh, Stefan Ensign, my OC, and and Reed Quest, who was the quarterback coach in my rookie year, um, they they were I owe it all to them. Uh, and obviously, my quarterback coach to this day, who's Ross Vanstone. There, um, you know, they're they're all just super smart smart dude their playbooks obviously work that's why the thunder have the best offense op- in you know canada for the past however long right so mm-hmm.
0: you got you guys want to knock off the hilltops obviously the juggernauts so that would be the main goal what's your personal uh goal this year uh for carter shoe because you got to set some goals to get the big goal what what do you want to do well this year
1: 100 um you know obviously my main goal is is to win a championship, right? And obviously that's the, that's the big picture. Um, that's, that's always how I've been. I've never been a, I've, I've never been much of a individual type goal setter because I will do anything and everything to help my team win. If that means dying out there on the field, I will. You know what I mean? If that mm-hmm. means laying my body out for a first down on third and third and sixth and I need to pull it down and run it. I'll be that guy just like, you know, like that Chad Heineke guy when he went in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. The chief last year in Mahomes about her, right? I will do that for my boys. Um but I mean at the end of the day like I don't care about stats. I mean obviously a quarterback you have to have ball possession and you can't be throwing interceptions but this is kind of what I live by. If I throw 10 interceptions and we win, I could care less. Yeah.
0: Well, if you throw 10 you generally don't win. I just <laughs> I just I just always look at it like so for instance, like for me if you know I guess where I was going with this is Carter Shuchuk playing his first game as kind of the starting quarterback for the Regina Thunder in Winnipeg. Do you sit and visualize the night before? Okay, I want to I wanna make sure I don't turn the football over. That's number one. I want to have, uh, you know, I maybe want to complete 65% of my passes. I want to make sure I get all the calls right in the huddle. Like, do you do any mini checklists like that? doesn't have to be anything spectacular. Just something that's going to help you get through the game.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, obviously, a lot of those things are kind of just second nature. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, I don't think about committing turnovers. That's not something I yeah, that's ever can. come across in my mind. It's thinking more about which passes am I going to throw, like which, obviously, watching film, we have, you know, we, we have years and years of film. And I've been obviously sitting on the bench for the past four years with the Thunder and watching us play the rifles twice a year, right? So, um, you know, I kind of have a good understanding of how their defense is. We know what blitzes they run. We know what coverages they're most likely going to run on and win on the field, right, uh, whatever position they are on the field. So, um, you know, at that, at that certain time, in in certain moments, yes, I do, you know, visualize what throws I will be throwing and what kind of plays we're going to be running in certain situations. Um, I don't necessarily think about completion percentage or, or turnovers or, getting the plays right. Cause that's just all second nature to me. Like obviously every single play, if I don't get it right, it's not going to be executed well. And you know, that's never been a problem for me.
0: So this is a good way to wrap things up. So uh, you've been sitting on the bench for a long time at any point during this uh, pandemic. Did you think I'm never going to get a chance to start for the Regina Thunder? Like I've been waiting and I don't get a chance. You talked about being grateful earlier. You must've been like uh, smiling, like a butcher's dog when you finally found out that you're going to have a season this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, it was it was just relief, right? But even last year, uh, obviously, our team was very, very, very optimistic that we were going to have a season last year. Um, and I think that's kind of how we needed to approach it. Obviously, it's better to be sad when it it doesn't happen than be not prepared enough by the time the season starts, right? So, obviously, for the past, we've we've used last season as almost like an ex. ex-, ex- an extended off season, uh I should say um, you know the boys have been working out at, with level 10 we got a partnership there we've been working out there four times a week since November you know and, and whether that's in groups of aid now we're now we're able to have you know 40 50 60 dudes in there uh, every week right so um, and that's just something that we've been doing so, yeah I mean I definitely think it's 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 a relief but you know I I've we've gone in this year and last year with the mindset that we're going to have a season that we're going to roll. So that's what we're going to do.
0: All right, Carter, thanks for this, man. Best of luck this year. I'll be watching eagerly for week one, uh, the debut of number seven behind center or in shotgun formation or whatever the heck Ensign has you doing. Thanks for this, buddy.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Time now for the second quarter of Growing the Game with Ballsy. And make sure you check out Corey Zatarosniak and the gang out there at Double Z Egg Sales in Weyburn and surrounding area for grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance. Double Z Egg Sales is the place to call. Well, Michael Riley's made the news for the first couple of weeks in the CFL, one for his efforts here in Regina. Saw him throw a bunch of ducks as he didn't start the game, then came off the bench, almost helped lead his team to come from behind victory. Then he's supposed to be the backup quarterback, but starts the game in Calgary, throws for over 300 yards and scores a touchdown, and all the betters are pissed off. So what is up with Michael Riley's elbow? Let's talk to an athletic therapist that knows a thing or two about elbow tendinitis. It's my buddy, Dale Petura. And we're coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio, and it's time to head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline and speak with our resident therapist, Dale Petura. Dale, how are you, man? I'm doing very well. Good. Yourself? Good. Let's do a reset here. Where can they find you for their therapy needs? Uh, at Courtside Sports
2: Medicine and Rehab. It's a life Mark clinic at the uh, south end of Pasqua Street.
0: Awesome here in South Regina. All right, so let's rewind back to Week One. Riders BC Lions. Mike Riley doesn't start the game. From what I'm told, they gave him a shot, but they didn't time it up correctly, and it didn't take. And then they gave him another one towards halftime, and it started to take. I just talk about the process of of that, of uh, of administering a shot, and the and the science that kind of goes behind that. Do you have to kind of guess when it might work? Not not really.
2: There is there's definitely research around how long most uh, most analgesics which is a pain medication would take to kick in um and that that for the most part is what what you would be doing is um trying to limit the pain that was involved in whatever whatever injury or whatever problem that was going on so um there is there there certainly is is understanding around how long most of those medications um would take to kick in but uh that's always not perfect science obviously and some some things uh work differently on one day versus another
0: what was it it was a 7:30 kickoff so say it's a 7:30 kickoff when would you administer generally like how far out would you give a shot like that he's got elbow tendinitis so how far out would you give a shot like that
2: uh, well, certainly, I'm not a yeah. I'm not a physician for for sure, so there would be more concrete and definitive information. But um, typically, I think you're you're looking at probably 45 minutes an hour
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, before before the time frame. Yeah, somewhere in that range.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't expect you to be a doctor. I get that. Since you've been around football a while, generally, how long does something like that? It's not an exact science, but how long does something like that? usually last because from what I'm told he got a shot he got a second shot then it started to kick in and then it was almost like it it, it kicked in too much because he couldn't feel his hand and that's why the ball was spinning like a lame duck that's what I'm told well usually
2: you're if you're if if they're if you're talking about you know an analgesic medication injection that would uh, dampen down the pain um Couple three hours is what you'd be looking at mm-hmm. um, for the most part that it would work in that in that range two three hours maybe four so so you in in a in a situation like a game if you're giving it an hour or so before then usually that should get you through the game mm-hmm. um, and uh, help you to reduce that pain and that's that's where they'll that's why they'll do it is um to decrease the pain once you know if there's if it's the pain that's limiting them from from participating, and there's absolutely no structural damage or no um, no reason to believe that this is going to harm the person further if they're going to participate, and it's only the pain that's limiting them, then then that's why they'll do uh, that's why they'll sometimes give an injection like that to reduce the pain.
0: Dale, what is elbow tendinitis in the uh, in the simplest layman's terms? Uh, well, your
2: most Common tendonitis are are what you would talk about uh, golfers or tennis elbow. Um, The muscles in your forearm, uh, the ones that come and move your wrist forward and backwards, they attach on the outside and inside of your elbow. Um, All those muscles come down into one tendon and then attach on the bone. So sometimes that common tendon, they'll call it a common flexor or a common extensor and tender, will get irritated and inflamed. Um, and, and those are the most common types of tendonitis around the elbow.
0: Can you play through that? Or is that something where a guy like a quarterback, much like a pitcher or like a tennis player, they got to sit out for a while because, you know, you're using your arm. How do, you, how do you get better if you're always using your arm?
2: Yeah, when you're when you're dealing with uh, with those types of tendonitis, if those are the ones he, he had, they're often um, workable. You can often play through them. Many times it's just a, a lower level discomfort, um, and and that's why sometimes they they build up over time because there's just a little bit there. If we're talking about the normal person versus an elite an elite athlete, you'll get. Soreness here, there, you just keep going, you'll keep going, and pretty soon that soreness builds up to a point where you can't go anymore. Mm. So there is a point in time where you certainly can um, work through that or play through that. As it builds up because of where it is, then you get difficulty in squeezing, right, gripping those types of activities. So that might be another reason if he was having a little bit more discomfort mm. um, Why the the ball wasn't coming out beautiful for
0: him? Is that a common injury for a quarterback? That type of uh, tendonitis in the elbow throwing arm?
2: Um, I mean, I I, it's it's very it's very reasonable to have that type of an injury, given the fact that they're gripping the ball all the time, Um, throwing gripping throwing gripping. Um, It it can build up. I don't know that you know in my time that I. Worked with the um, the athletes at the university or or at the professional level, you know, I wouldn't say it was a common injury. I wouldn't say it was like an ankle sprain or a hamstring or groin injury. Um, I wouldn't put it in that typical category.
0: So, what would like be a treatment, a common treatment for something like that? Tendonitis in the elbow? Uh,
2: You would just do your typical modalities, as we call them, to try and decrease the inflammation. And then um, as that inflammation, pain settles down, then you just have to strengthen it. And and the amount you have to strengthen it and how much you have to go through that kind of second phase of treatment of giving it stronger really depends on how long it's been there and how long it takes to settle down. So the quicker you get on it, the quicker it settles down, the less strengthening you've lost, the less strength you've lost, and, and you're back in the you know, you're back in the saddle quite quickly after that.
0: You're a rider fan. Obviously, you work with the team, and, and you go to the games. Uh, were you surprised about how the team seemed to get through pretty well unscathed, not having a preseason, not playing in 20 months? I thought we'd see an explosion of injuries. We, see, we watched a few guys like Mike Adam and uh, even that big Marino, the new D Lyman, kind of limp yeah. off the field, but we didn't see a lot of major injuries. Were you surprised by that? Um, you know, when
2: there's, it's really unpredictable in, in the time that I've spent working in sports um, and especially with different teams. It's just – it is unpredictable. So, I mean, you might think theoretically, oh, they haven't played for two years almost and it's the first go-round and things are just going to – you know, the bottom's going to fall out. But um, just how the game goes, how hard the other team's hitting, um, how hard you're going – I mean, actually, they had a little bit, even though there was no um, preseason this year, the, the camp was a little bit longer than than typical, so that, that would help also to get them up and, and going a little bit better to avoid injuries. But I do find it's pretty unpredictable.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, just speaking about the riders, boy, I think fatigue caught up with them at the end, don't you? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. They It was certainly... Uh, Um, just from a fan's point of view watching it was different from the first part of the game to the end of the game that's for sure and and fatigue could certainly be a factor in that
0: dale thanks for this i appreciate your time my friend no worries talk to you soon (laughs) And we kick off the second half of Growing the Game with Ballsy here with our third quarter. It's our homegrown segment brought to you by AGT Foods and our good man, Murad El-Khatib. Not only world-renowned in the business community, but locally here supporting all levels of football. The Riders, female football, the Thunder, the Rams. This guy really cares about his community and the sport of football. And we're coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. I'm your host, Ballsy, for growing the game with Ballsy. And it's time to head once again on the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline to the Saskatoon area. Ironically enough, that is where Hammer Time Roofing originates from with my buddy Kevin Welsh, great sponsor of this podcast. Okay, let's talk to Saskatoon's Ethan Langos to Holy Cross, a Crusader. Now, I watched you, Ethan, play in that high school All Star game, the first of two games that was held at the Libel Field in Rajani. You were flying around that night as the Sam linebacker. Where does that passion for football come from?
3: Well, my passion for football kind of started at a really young age because. My whole family before me just played football all their lives, so I just growing up around football, my older brother, my dad, my grandpa, my uncle, they all play football, so I kind of just was around the sport and learned to love it a lot.
0: Were you uh, always a defensive guy, or did you play on the offensive side when you started? And, and what age did you start at?
3: I started in grade one, so I would have been <laughs> around six or seven. I started playing flag football. Yeah. And, um... I actually started on offense. I was a running back, and then I turned into a QB. And then I realized I like I liked hitting more than I liked being hit. So yeah. then I switched over to defensive end when I hit high school.
0: You certainly uh, were a hammer and not a nail in the game that I watched. I really liked your motor, as they like to say. What do you like about playing the Sam linebacker spot, and will you do that this year?
3: What I really like about the Sam spot is that you're not really, like, as much as a run stopper as say the Mac, the Mac is, you can play coverages and you can do blitzes and fill the run. You can do all of the things that a DB would and a linebacker would. So you're kind of versatile, and you're running all over the field just making plays. I think at Holy Cross, I will be playing some SAM this year too. Yeah.
0: What kind of team you guys are going to have this year? You had a few guys in those green helmets uh, playing in the game. Whoever was playing with the green helmets on looked to be pretty good contributors in that all-star game. What kind of team are you going to have this year?
3: I think we're going to have a really successful team. We just got to learn how to put the parts together that we have because we have four returning vets from the 2019 team that won city championships. So let's just hope that we can put the pieces together and have a really good season.
0: Yeah, it's been a long time since you played high school football with the Holy Cross colors on. I know you wore the helmet, but what I mean is in a Saskatoon high school football game you you did obviously do that uh high school football academy just to talk about how cool that was that you got to get some football in during the pandemic.
3: It was it was honestly amazing just to get back out there fly around and make plays. It's a it was a it was a blessing because we were the only place in really Canada that had a full spring season. So it was really awesome to do that.
0: What did you miss most about football during all that downtime? Oh,
3: I missed like uh, just having like the friendships that you can make with like 60 other guys just easily like that and having like a family basically behind your back when you're playing. And I also missed all the fans cheering. It was, it was great to have fans at the second game at SMS for the Prairie Bowl.
0: So I'm sure you have your fingers crossed that you can get back to a regular high school football season, this being your senior season.
3: Oh, yeah. With this being my senior season, I'm really hoping that we can have a full season and hopefully win cities and provincials. Just hope how everything turns out really well.
0: Hey, how did you deal with the dark days of the long layoff? There were
3: obviously some days where you just didn't feel like doing much and just sat at home playing video games or watching Netflix, but... I always tried my best to get out and do do some runs, and I, I worked out every day too, so it kept my mind off things, you know, when things weren't doing so well, so working out and running, and then I'd throw the football around with my brother and my dad sometimes, so yeah.
0: Talk about your mentality here, don't take this the wrong way, but you're not the biggest guy on the field, but you play like you're the biggest guy on the field. How do you get into that me- uh, mental zone where you're going to play with a chip on your shoulder and you're going to play like you're 250 pounds?
3: Yeah, so obviously throughout my football career, I've been told I'm not the biggest and not the strongest, not the fastest. So with my mentality, it just I just run around and it's like it hurts less to hit someone than to get hit. So I just fly around and I realize that I'm not the biggest, but I got to just take that part out of my mind and just play football it's like it's a game i've been playing for so long and i know how to play it so i just play don't think and i just fly around and bash some heads
0: <laughs> okay worst injury you've had in the game of football
3: uh the worst injury i've actually had is just a high ankle sprain in the 2019 western challenge yeah
0: at any point have you ever regretted playing this sport i know you say you love it you grew up around it but did you ever regret it in terms of the physical toll it can take on a body because it can
3: if i'm being honest i haven't because the physical part of the game and, like, feeling sore and all that, you learn to love it when you play it for so long. And it's it's a big part of the game, too. So once you learn to love it, you don't get tired of it, really.
0: You wear it like a badge of honor almost. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Ethan, uh, the best part of your game is? My hitting. I hit really hard, and I hit real well. And the uh, thing you want to improve on in your senior season? I just want to get faster
3: and stronger, really. If I can get faster, I don't think there's any stopping me.
0: So uh, just tell the folks who haven't watched you play like me, how big are you? What are your dimensions, roughly? I'm
3: um, roughly 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 175 pounds.
0: Okay, so what would you like to get to uh, by the time your spring or, uh, senior season is done? What, what, what weight would you like to get to as you go play at the next level?
3: I want to sit around 180, 185 that'd be pretty good.
0: Okay, and have you had talks with universities yet, or junior teams? What's your plan after your senior high school football season? I don't want to rush you too much, but you got to be thinking ahead. Yeah,
3: I think I'm going to go play some university ball. Still making the decision, but I think I'm leaning towards staying home.
0: Okay, and why would you want to stay home?
3: Um, well, I really love my family, so it'd be hard moving away from them. And I've always wanted to Play for the Huskies to be
0: honest. Yeah, what do you like about that? Do you like the atmosphere? Have you gone to lots of games like a Friday night football game in Saskatoon, Metallica pumping, the guys run out of the dog head? Yeah, I
3: have. I've actually grown up watching the game, so it's something that I've always wanted to do, just run out of the dog and uh play in front of my hometown fans.
0: Well, Ethan, I wish you the best of luck here coming up uh, in, in this football season. Hopefully it's a full senior season for you with the Holy Cross Crusaders. Who knows? Maybe I'll be watching you in a provincial championship.
3: Yeah, let's hope so.
0: And we're headed into the fourth quarter stretcher of growing the game with Ballsy episode 305. And this quarter is brought to you by local football legend John Ryan, who is kicking the stuffing out of the football with your riders early on this year. He has always given back to his community, and he jumped right on board to support this podcast to help spread the word about this great sport at the grassroots level and at the professional level. And that's where we go for the fourth quarter here, as we're going to talk now with a legendary sportscaster, my buddy Don Hewitt, about the goings-on, the last game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's our pick six, and we're coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. Check them out at 1440 Broadway Avenue. All our guests come to you via the... Hammer Time Roofing Hotline, Kevin Welsh and the gang there in Saskatoon. And joining me on the phone right now is Don Hewitt from the Rider Radio Network, outstanding and legendary broadcaster in Regina and surrounding area. we normally do a gospel according to Balsey for Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and Prince Albert. Choose Advantage Collision because they care about your safety, but instead today it's the pick six with Huey and Ballsey. Let's talk about six topics from the game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and let's start with Cody Fajardo. He's the low-hanging fruit, as it were, the starting quarterback of the Rough Riders, easy to talk about. But Don, what a gritty performance against Hamilton.
4: Well, I think what Cody Fajardo showed... Again, against Hamilton was what he was showing in 2019. He is uh, a, a key and a huge uh, leader figure uh, for this football team. Uh, he leads by example. Uh, he, he leads by what he does, not what he says. Uh, if you can't be in his camp as a teammate, then there's something wrong with you because this guy is all blood and guts. He cares about this football team. He cares about his teammates, and and that's what he showed against Hamilton. A lot of people were upset uh, when he was running the football towards the end of that ball game. Uh, but uh, as we talked about before, he's uh, very competitive. Yeah, it's hard to sort of you know take that competitiveness out of him. They hopefully never do. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Cody Pajardo. Uh, I believe he has the abilities uh, to win a Grey Cup in Saskatchewan, and that's the main thing. Uh, sometimes you have a quarterback where you think, you know, I don't know if they could ever win the Grey Cup with this guy, but they can, uh, with a good team, win the Grey Cup with Cody Pajardo. And one thing that I think about in regarding Cody is, yes, he led the league in passing in 2019. Okay, well, there was a lot of big quarterbacks that got injured, but the big thing for me that proved that he's uh, – He's ready to to lead, and, and and he's a good quarterback in this league. Is that he led the league in uh, percentage completion in 2019, which is a a huge, huge, uh, um, you know, sign that uh, he's on his way. And and I, my favorite play that he made, honestly, against Hamilton was was on on, on his uh, touchdown pass where he he read a halfback blitz. He knew the safety couldn't get to more. And he uh, hit more just inside the, the uh, goal line. And I thought that is the sign of a mature quarterback.
0: My favorite was uh, in the shadows of his goalpost. It runs and breaks that defender's ankle with a little shimmy and shake, and gets like a 15, yeah. 20 yard run. Tell you what, I've I've kind of I love yeah. Cody as the person. He obviously did a great job last year, but uh, between the two of us, I've kind of been on the fence. I'm like, okay, this is a career third down specialist. Was it just a mirage? The Hamilton game showed me that uh, he's got the grit and the moxie to lead this team, and I'm uh, I'm all in now on Team Cody. And the thing I like about it is he doesn't. Turn the football over. He protects the football. So let's right. go Let's go to number two. Je- Jeremiah Masoli, the great Don Hewitt, said, I like where Cody can go with his ceiling. He's got a lot of room. But I don't think Jeremiah Masoli, Don Hewitt, can go much further. I believe he is where he's going to be at. Now, he didn't get a lot of help. I just think he's average, and this is... Jeremiah Masoli.
4: Yeah, well, you really stumped me on the post-game show when you made that comment, and I didn't know what to think. That was uh, one of the moments where I was like almost speechless because I couldn't think fast enough on on that comment. And you know, it, it's uh, hard to say. I think he misses Braylon Addison a lot in, in their Hamilton receiving core. I, you know, you might be right, uh, but he showed so much uh, before he was injured in 2019. I I thought he looked pretty good. He's lost weight. Uh, Whether that's helping or hindering him, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I I think the jury is definitely out on him uh, to a certain degree, which I wouldn't have thought prior to this season. Uh, So, you know, I, I I, I can't even offer an opinion on that. We'll see what happens down the road and see if
0: you're right. One thing I think we can agree on, the Rough Riders won that game because of one word, physicality.
4: I think that uh, all the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, sitting home in Winnipeg uh, watching the game uh, here against Hamilton, uh, they they took note. I mean, they're priding themselves uh, for sure as being the most physical football team in the CFL and, and who could argue the way that their offensive and defensive lines are playing right now. Uh, but the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, threw them a warning shot. Uh, you better get ready for Labor Day because we also can play very physical football and... You know, they were very intense. They had the eye of the Tiger against Hamilton, and they were ready to play football from the get-go, and they were hitting anything they could hit. And, yeah, Saskatchewan showed a lot of grit, including at the end of the game when they ground out the yardage via the the ground and the O-line went to work. It was some good physical play. That that was impressive at the end when they were chalking up those downs for sure.
0: Number four in the pick six with Huey and Balsey. Let's talk about the line play and let's start with the D line. You look at the guy that uh, was the three sack machine, right? Woodard, unbelievable. Three sacks, two tackles, forced fumble. When opportunity knocks, you got to be ready to walk through the door and I guess we say Charleston, Hughes who? At least after this game for yeah. one game anyway, right? No,
4: I mean I think you make a great point. I mean in some of my pregame notes for the Hamilton game uh, I was going to say have they uh, even come close, uh, to replacing Charleston Hughes and, you know, Jonathan Woodard gets a big chance. I mean, Pete Robertson had a hamstring, so he was, uh, rotating with Keon Adams. And uh, when you look at what Woodard did and he didn't even play all the snaps, it was like, wow, this was a major eye opener. And it's another uh, area that shows, you know, and don't forget about Tim Williams. He was supposed to be the starting rusher, And then he, uh, Mm-hmm. I believe, was the fifth uh, Achilles tear. But it's another example about how general manager Jeremy O'Day has brought in so much depth uh, with his recruiting into this football team along with uh, his sidekicks, Paul Jones and Kyle Carson. I mean, Jeremy O'Day, if anybody was wondering, uh, if he was ready to be a general manager, they know now, and they knew in 2019, uh, he 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 waited, he learned, and he waited and he learned, and he is a, a top-notch, top-notch general manager in the CFL right now as far as I'm concerned because of the depth that he has brought in with all the injuries uh, into this uh, lineup for Saskatchewan.
0: On the other side for number four here is the offensive line. We talked a lot about in the first two weeks, how will the Riders do it? Oh, my gosh, they lost all those guys. Labat's not back yet. Yeah. And then they have this Lauderdale kid step in, and he hadn't played football in two years. On our pregame show, he said, my strength is run blocking. I'm not a real good pass blocker after being out of football for two years. Don, our O-line looked good. Hamilton's couldn't pick up any stunts. They looked like a grease fire. We were the better offensive line <laughs> by right. quite by quite a margin.
4: Oh, they they picked up the stunts so well. I like I was calling him Andrew uh, Fort Lauderdale after he played. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that uh, Lauderdale was a tight end at one time in his career. And if you watched him against Hamilton, he has very good feet. I mean, that's usually a big difference maker for any offensive tackle in the CFL, as you know, Ballsy is the feet. And he looked like he had great feet. And then Cam Jefferson is playing well. You think about it, like you like you just said, uh, Vaughn gone, Cofield gone. And, you know, I thought a dominating offensive tackle for Saskatchewan was going to definitely be Cyrus or Kwanjo. When he came in, I thought, oh, my goodness, this man is just going to mow over anybody and everybody. He had sore knees and he left. And they still have found, uh, again, with the same reasons of the depth of recruiting, they have apparently found two offensive tackles uh, that played against Hamilton, they look really good, and it's amazing they could do it with those injuries. It's amazing, really.
0: Alright, so number five on the pick six. The secondary, you commented after week one, you weren't really impressed. They were much better this week. Speedy B was non-existent, and we saw maybe one of the greatest interceptions athletically since I've oh, been yeah. around watching Rough Rider football. No,
4: Blaze Brown's interception, I can't recall one that, that's any better. You know, after the first game, I, I I sort of thought, okay, you know, there, there's two veterans that have to pick up their game, and that's Gainey and Marshall. Uh, despite Marshall's great uh, interception for a touchdown, I thought the two of them didn't have their best outing against uh, BC Lions. But they—they're uh, veterans, and they answered the call uh, last night for sure. Because it looks like they don't want to throw over to Purifoy. That's—that's that's what's happening right now. Purifoy's not getting a lot of balls. They're staying away from them, and uh, so you know they may look a little bit more over to Ganey, you know, Gainey side with Marshall, and uh, you know Gainey Marshall, I thought played pretty darn well uh, with the entire defense, and they, they answered the call, and that was great to see because you know there there are two veterans that everybody likes and and cheers for, and it was good to see them rise to the occasion.
0: Also good to see a drive that featured Canadian receivers again. Uh, Lenius, Lenius Picton, Lenius Picton. He ends up with the touchdown, his first ever as a uh, Saskatchewan Rough Rider after scoring so many in uh, that stadium and the other stadium as a member of the University of Regina Rams, and before that LeBoldis Golden Sun. What a great local story. We, I think, had seven Saskatchewan boys on the starting roster against Hamilton. Eight in the first game because Boyko didn't play, but what a nice touchdown by Pickton and he is talk about opportunity knocking. He's ready to answer and uh, sometimes it's it's a lonely life out there. You talk about Brown, it's a lonely life out there uh at the field right. side corner, also at the wide side wideout, but Pickton is uh, getting the most of his chances. And when Shaq went down Don, he he kind of rotated inside into closer to the quarterback and uh, didn't skip a beat. Well, I mean, it's it's an amazing uh, story
4: really Pickton because uh when the rough riders uh drafted the two top notch uh, canadian receivers you, you know you thought well you know maybe maybe picking you know you might have a hard time because they've obviously uh, picked uh, uh lenius and and McInnes high in the draft and and boy did he <laughs> answer a bell uh you know with his uh, tremendous uh you know discipline working out for the entire uh break covid break that the cfl had and, and he's a great story. I mean, you got McKinnis uh, right now. He's been dinged up. He he didn't play, but you know, Terrell Janna had his first catch as a Rough Rider against Hamilton as well. Uh, they got uh, Kean Schaefer Baker, who they're very high on the practice roster, another Canadian receiver. And again, I mean, I know Kyle Carson brought in a lot of great Canadians into in Calgary. He's definitely helping Jeremy O'Day do the same thing here in Saskatchewan, and they've got. It looks like Balzi, an embarrassment of riches in the Canadian receivers position, and unfortunately, they've got so many throwing Jake Hardy. I think if I forgot to mention him, uh, you know they're going to lose somebody. They're going to lose a really good Canadian receiver here because they're not going to be able to keep all these guys. Uh, You know, they just there's no no, other teams don't have the depth at all. They'll be looking for somebody.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, I like to call this our prisoner of the moment power rankings after week two you don't put much stock into them but here's how i think these teams should stack up you can agree or disagree at number nine the edmonton elks my goodness what is happening in edmonton
4: well i mean alessandro jimmy alessandro was obviously you know an offensive genius uh you know winning a great cup with ottawa and you know he went down to the xfl with mark Trussman. um uh, and but was still, you know, highly regarded. And when he, when he, you know, came back to the CFL as a head coach uh, with Edmonton, it, you know, it, it looked like a sure bet, as sure a bet as you could have for a rookie head coach. And now you look at that team and you're wondering, okay, what is going on? Because there's something off? Uh, even, you know, the, the confusion it, that was in the face of Trevor Harris, when they were playing Montreal at times, he, he he didn't look like his usual confident self, sort of like a bully by Mitchell situation. And so what's happening in Edmonton, I'm not really sure, but something is off. And, and the fans of Commonwealth were absolutely shocked and stunned yeah. watching that game against Montreal. So
0: for the first time since 1966, the Calgary Stampeders and Edmonton Elks, then the Eskimos, are collectively 0-4 for the first time since 1966. That's uh, that's unbelievable. Calgary comes in at number eight in our prisoner of yep. the moment power rankings because I think Bo Levi-Mitchell, uh, his offensive line isn't what it used to be. Neither is, is his receiving core, but neither is his decision-making, Don.
4: Right. The decision-making on some of his throws is what baffled me. I mean, he was throwing into double coverage, uh, you know, with four picks, that's bad enough. You know what? He could have had six. He could have had seven picks the way he was throwing that football. And you know, it's 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 back to the team that's around you. He doesn't have quite a, as good a team around him as he did, and he lost, a, you know, what three dependable receivers to the Toronto Argonauts, I believe it was, or in a, mm-hmm. in a roundabout way, it was three, I guess. And uh, you know, it's uh, you know with the groin and whatnot, and 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 you know, I don't think he's a guy who's a big fan of getting hit. Yeah, uh, You know, he, he wants to get rid of that football. He's not going to usually take a hit, and maybe that's the way he has to play, sort of with his size. But to see him making all those bad decisions was uh, was mind-boggling. Now, Dave Dickinson isn't the official offensive coordinator in Calgary anymore. He made uh, a change. Uh, he still seems to be calling things in, it seems like, to, to the quarterback. It's hard to say, but... You know, If there's some changes there, it certainly worked when Dave was the offensive coordinator, so I don't know the inner workings. But something something is off in Calgary, a uh, very young team, which is rare and not as experienced, which is rare under Huffnagle. And we'll see if they can grind out of it. I mean, they've got to play Montreal uh, the next game in Calgary, and that's going to be a test. I mean, Montreal... Uh, you know, they, well, we'll talk about them later, but they look pretty solid.
0: Okay, number seven, we won't dwell on it because we've talked about them, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So they come in at number seven and our prisoner of the moment. Power rankings after week two, and, and of course, this is only week two. Lots of season to go, and they're starting on the road. Right. So we'll find out more about them as we go along, and they're missing some key pieces too. At number six, I've got the Ottawa Red Blacks, the Riders' next opponents. Ottawa 1-0, surprising victory in Edmonton, but they've got that the issue at quarterback, and you never want to have an issue you at quarterback with Matt Nichols health
4: right I mean we're going to see what happens with Matt Nichols uh, because they had to buy of course and now they're going into Saskatchewan with a couple of weeks rest I mean he, he couldn't uh, really throw the football with any velocity in Edmonton uh, Paul Laplace went with him anyway I'm assuming he's going to be better he'll have more arm strength once he plays uh, here in Saskatchewan so that's definitely something to watch but I mean Nichols had 70 yards passing in Edmonton and they still won the game because the Ottawa defense really, uh, they also said, hello, CFL, we're, we're coming. And, uh, you know, the Ottawa defense will be a good test uh, for the Saskatchewan offense for sure because they're, they're fast and they really hit hard. And, uh, you know, they, they, that defense is, it looks to be pretty good. So, uh, It's going to be a very interesting game, actually. Uh, Maybe more interesting than a lot of people realize to play Ottawa.
0: The uh, BC Lions come in at number five. It's a solid number five, Don. They they showed a lot in Calgary and almost came back and beat the Rough Riders. They've got a pretty active defense and some weapons on offense. And if Mike Riley can fight through that elbow tendonitis, I think they might be poised to be one of the big movers on this list. In fact, I've I pegged them for eight wins, eight and six in a 14-game schedule at the start of the year and a solid third in the West, and I'm still comfortable with that prediction.
4: You know, I can't re-argue with that third spot in the West right now because, uh, like Ottawa, their defense is better than a lot of people realized. And, and, you know, Saskatchewan, you know, caught two first downs in the second half against them, uh, you know, in the the season opener, but then the Lions... uh, Showed everybody. Well, no, we didn't just stop Saskatchewan in the second half. We stopped. We can stop Calgary, and they definitely did. And they were the difference makers. I mean, it, it was a, you know the, the BC offense, and it was a gutsy performance by Riley, who, who had a good start to the game. Uh, but it was the again, it was the BC defense that won that game all the way. They they were the team that uh, that beat the Calgary Stampeders on that side of the ball, and uh, you know they they are, they are, have a good defense again. So. Third place could be correct, and you know we don't even know, ballsy, if there's going to be a crossover yeah. uh, this year because of, uh, there have a lot of the Eastern teams have, have defeated Western teams right now, and there's been a steady uh, Western crossover, I believe, since 2016. So. You know, maybe BC has to get third. I mean, maybe there may be two Western teams that don't, uh,
0: don't advance. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. We've never had an Eastern team cross over to the West and play. All right, at number four, I've got the Alouettes, and only, Don, because they played just one game. They look real good against Edmonton, right. but Edmonton's at the bottom of our list. In a, We're in agreement on that, so I can't put them any higher then fourth only because they played one game but they definitely could jump up too
4: yeah you know it'll be interesting to see toronto play montreal because you know i think it's safe to say both teams are better uh but from what i saw from montreal i like them a little more than what i've seen from toronto so far uh they harry jones has got something going there i think right now with adams at quarterback and adams is uh you know showing that you know he's he was supposed to be a you know, a really good CFL player when he came out of Oregon. He sort of up and down, sputtered here and there. I, I liked him when he was in Saskatchewan, actually. Uh, but now he, he's, he is showing the promise that a lot of people thought he would have coming out of Oregon. So I just like the spirit that I see on that Montreal Alouette team. They look like a very together team and with lots of talent. And uh, I think uh, fans and in Montreal will be coming back to McGill Stadium here because uh, there's something cooking there.
0: You know, it's funny. uh, (laughs) We talk about how good the Riders have been, and I know they had to make a move to move Adams out, but it's funny. You have Vernon Adams Jr. on your roster as a third-string quarterback. You bring him in in short-yarded situations, and you deem him uh, worthy to be traded or or moved out, and then you get a career third down specialist in Cody Fajardo. When you had the guy right yeah. here under your huh. own nose, it's kind of funny. It's like business. If you're in that business's building already, generally they overlook you for somebody that looks sexy from the outside. Sometimes it works, right. sometimes it doesn't work. I just find that kind of interesting. All right, let's go to number. Oh, great point. Th- yeah, great. You, Cody, you know I what I mean. Yeah. yeah yeah great point Gary etcheverry told me a long time ago Vernon Adams jr is going to be the guy and uh, it goes to show you Gary knows <laughs> yep. what he's talking about you know
4: yeah and, uh, and you know Wes Kate likes them too I mean yeah he was talking on the postgame show that he likes Adams a lot at quarterback uh, West is pretty astute so yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see what goes on in Montreal they've got the Canadians the Stanley Cup finalists and uh, maybe they got a, maybe they got a team that's going to be in the great Cup honestly
0: well that'd be it would be really nice for Montreal to get interest with that new ownership group there because if they win, people will support it for sure in Montreal. Let's right. go. Let's okay, go. Well, let's go to number yeah. three, the Toronto Argonauts. I put them there because they started on the road, two tough games, and won one game and hung in there with Winnipeg for a good chunk of that game. They just got poor quarterback play from uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson in that one.
4: Oh my goodness! I mean, that could have been a totally different game had he hit those. Uh, uh, you know, he had a for sure a touchdown wide open that he missed, and arguably a second one. Wide open that he missed. So if you put that into consideration, you know, it's possible they could have beaten Winnipeg in Winnipeg. And uh, they, they are a much better football team. Uh, I, as I said, uh, who would have guessed Hamilton 0 2 and, and not looking as good as uh, Toronto or, or Montreal and arguably even Ottawa? We'll see. I mean, everybody it seemed like in preseason was saying you know hamilton is the great cup favorite uh over winnipeg over saskatchewan they are the great cup favorite and you know what football games ballsy as you well know are not played on paper they're played on a football field and that's quite evident like it is it's you brought up the point 1966 since the alberta teams are owned to and you know, this is quite a surprising start to the CFL. Very unpredictable. And, you know, when you have un- unpredictability like that, it's actually good for the league.
0: So we won't dwell too much on the riders because we have a lot, but they come in at number two in our uh, Prisoner of the Moment power ranking. And only because, Don, Winnipeg's done nothing to to not be number one. They're the, the defending champs. They've been pretty solid on home turf. Zach Kalaros looks good. So I'd put them at one. Do you disagree with that?
4: No, not at all. I mean, I totally agree with your list. I know you put Montreal below Toronto because they've only played one game. Your list, I think, is bang on. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, haven't played a game for quite a while What that they have not won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And until somebody can prove otherwise, until somebody can challenge them at the line of scrimmage, yeah, they are the team to beat for the Great Cup. And it's as simple as that because uh how many times, Ball Z, and you know football very well, how many times do you win a ball game when you don't win the line of scrimmage, like maybe two percent of the time and it's a fluke or something? I mean the big men do decide football games, there's no doubt about it, and Saskatchewan is going to have to prove on Labor Day and it's a banjo bowl that uh that they can beat Winnipeg because right now Winnipeg you know, they, they are the defending champions, and they look at them. It's funny how the, the power ranking from a few years ago have changed because, you know, it was always Calgary was was the class of the West. As always, You're looking always at Calgary. Can we beat Calgary? Right now I think it's can we beat Winnipeg? And Saskatchewan showed, as you said at the start, Saskatchewan showed a lot of physicality, and I'm sure Winnipeg would notice.
0: Don, I really uh, love working with you, man. You got more football insight than I ever thought you did, and I thought you had a lot, then. We'll talk about how you got that insight on our next installment. Thanks for this, buddy. Enjoy your day.
4: Well, I'll tell you, I enjoy your insight. You have tremendous insight yourself, ballsy. You make some great points and. the... Uh, Yes, I enjoy listening to yourself.
0: This has been Growing the
4: Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael
0: Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Balsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on one oh four point nine, The Wolf Morning Show, and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of Rams broadcasts on six twenty CKRM.